text for the message this morning is the chapter we just read, so it's good to have your Bibles open as we look at this chapter. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the worship service last week, we sang a hymn, Hymn 61, where we thanked God the Father for planting His holy name in our hearts. We thank you, Father, you have planted. You know the the hymn. We sang that together, and we thanked Him for watching over the church of the Lord in His mercy. And yesterday evening, you had the opportunity to, to come here together to hear a missionary who has worked in Brazil for many years, and we could share in the joy of mission work, the work that we're supporting, and we could see how the Lord is blessing His church, He's planting His church in many places uh, in the world, different places, different ways in the world. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 fits into this whole context. And if you look at your chapter, it hinges on that verse 2, where Paul and Silvanus is also known as Silas. You remember Paul and Silas were in prison together. They sang the hymns until the prison broke down. That's the same man, Silas, Silvanus, and Timothy. They are writing a letter to the church in Thessalonica, and in verse 2, you see that they're starting it off, they say, we give thanks to God, and then the chapter says, we give thanks to God for gathering, defending, and preserving his church in the world. It's really amazing to see, we keep praising God for the same wonderful work Paul and Silvanus and Timothy were doing, we we do today uh, in our prayers That main phrase, we give thanks to God, it's explained in the rest of the chapter as the Holy Spirit highlights the qualities that God values in the church and and that makes believers in the church different from people who live in the world. And as we head into what is known as Thanksgiving Day, celebrated typically tomorrow, The emphases and the highlights of our text, they serve to guide us in our celebration so that we look at our life, we look at what God is really doing here in our lives with a divine perspective. Although when we have physical blessings like family, friends, food, health, we we should be thankful. The real focus of our thanksgiving is is broader, It's, it's deeper more lasting than just having our physical needs met. That's a good thing because there's many Christians who don't have all the physical blessings that we enjoy. Paul and Silas, if if you, you try to read a little bit about the context of this letter, you see that they were in Thessalonica. You can read about that in Acts 17. And before that, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, were. that's when they were in the prison. That's when they were beaten for their faith. Uh, for preaching the gospel. They could still give thanks, even in the midst of those hardships. And what does he give thanks for? He gives thanks that there is a church on earth and it is growing. 
That's an important perspective for us to have. When we consider the temptations of the world that we live in, and, and Paul gives a very clear summary of that in, in the, the book that I refer to now as 2 Timothy. It's just a few books further. You can see it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 5. He's describing the world that we live in. And we read it here, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's the world we live in. It's amazing. It's amazing to see an assembly of people who desire to live a godly life in Christ in spite of hardships for their faith. There's no doubt that the faithful church as, as work of the Holy Spirit is what Paul says in the, in the first verse, that it's the church in God the Father and in Christ Jesus. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, we thank the triune God for gathering a living church. And this church accepts his word, announces his love, and anticipates his return. When you see a church community, sometimes you, you might not even realize what you're seeing. It looks like a very nice place to be. I can imagine someone who's never been in a church coming in to a church and, and walking in and seeing friendly people, uh, respectful people, people who would like them to, to be a part of, of their lives. And you, you walk in, you see smiling people, you see kindness, you see acts of, of charity. And you think this would be a really nice place to be. When Paul starts to talk about the church in Thessalonica, he starts to talk about those visible aspects of their work and their labor springing from their faith and their hope uh, and their steadfast hope. That's in verse 3. But then if you look at the text, so he starts with the exterior, then he goes to verse 4 and he explains what's behind the scenes. How can this church exist in a world that we know today? How can it happen? Verse 4, he says, For we know, brothers, and then he gets behind the scenes. He says, We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. That he has chosen you. And how does he know that? It's verse 5. He says, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. The root of all thanksgiving, when we look at the church, the first thing we do is we praise God for his sovereign election. We praise God for, for gathering his church together, for working it in the hearts of believers to, to accept God's word as the truth and to start living according to that word. 1 Thessalonians shows us that when we see people accepting God's word as truth, this is the first evidence of God's eternal election. That's a, that's a big thing. And we stand amazed 
And, and, and it's a motive for thanksgiving in our lives. Those whom God has elected and separated for himself, they can see that the gospel that the apostles were preaching is the truth. You see that in verse 5, he says that you received, uh, or because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Paul thanks God that the word that was preached, our gospel, didn't just come only in word. And he thanks God that it didn't come only in word because sometimes that's what happens. If it happens that unbelievers actually take time to hear the word before they start criticizing, you'll notice most criticisms of scripture and about the word and the church come from people who've never actually read the Bible. But if they do take time to read and study what the Bible teaches, they often decide that God's judgment is harsh, that the cross is foolishness, and no one using any type of argument or moral persuasion or personal appeal can convince someone that the Bible is the word of God. Such people are like the people in the days of Noah when Noah was preaching about rain and floods who simply mocked the preacher for talking about such things. Or maybe like people today in our day who are in their homes and the emergency team comes and says, there's a hurricane coming to this area. You need to leave. And they say, ah, I don't believe you. I'm going to stay right here. They don't make preparations. They hear the word, but they do not embrace the word. And although the church can and must share the gospel, preach Jesus Christ, no one person can change a heart to make it receptive to the word. No missionary says, oh, I'm such a great guy. I've won this many souls by my, by my way of speaking. No man can say that. And so when we see people receiving the word, we lift up our hearts, we praise God. God is at work in the world in which we live. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we gather on Thanksgiving Day as, as God's people, it's a reason for Thanksgiving. We thank God for, for all the people who accepted the word in their hearts. And when the word comes into our hearts with power, says 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 Thessalonians 1. It means that the content, the message, affects us. Then the Holy Spirit makes us recognize the truth and he uses the word to give us a full conviction. That means that we become unwavering in our belief in what this book says. It's amazing. Paul goes on to talk about the conviction that believers have. You can see it in the second part of verse 5 all the way to 7. He says, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. 
the apostles and the teachers were so fully convinced of the truth that they, they gave themselves to this work. That's what Paul is saying. You saw what kind of men we proved to be even in the midst of affliction. Paul talks a little bit about his affliction in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 22 to 29. We know about it because we read in Acts, and you all know how much Paul suffered because he believed the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ was something truthful. In a similar way, we read the believers in Thessalonica, they received the word in much affliction, and they received it with joy. It cost them to believe the word of God. It cost them to apply the word in their lives, in their way of dealing with others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. So the next chapter, verse 13, Paul returns to this theme and he says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. You see that very clear statement, their conviction, the church's conviction about the truth brought them to a certain lifestyle, to a certain lifestyle, to certain actions which caused affliction, which made their life hard, but they did not give up. And Paul says, we thank God for this. You see, the church was that seed in Jesus' parable in Matthew 13, the seed that passed the test of, of hardships, whose roots went deep, and so they were not choked by the worries of this world. It's a work of God. It's really amazing to see the joy that the Holy Spirit gives to those who suffer for God's name's sake. We, we as Christians who don't have to suffer very much, especially not physically, we, 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 we also rejoice. We love to hear stories about Christians who, in the midst of hardships, they still have the joy in the Holy Spirit. And it fills us with joy because we say that shows that God is at work in powerful ways. It means that his name will be continue to be glorified, that more and more people will be praising our king, will be celebrating with us for all eternity. If the Jewish and the Gentile believers in Jerusalem and Antioch and Macedonia and, or Achaia, if they had a Thanksgiving Day celebration and they would gather together as a church, we can be sure that they would thank the Lord for the conversion of the Thessalonians. And today when we gather together, we, we thank the Lord for the church that he has gathered in all the different places in the world. For the more people there are who turn from idols to serve the living God, the more work will be done to glorify our sovereign king and creator. Because the church announces God's love. The church of Jesus Christ is always in motion. It gives as it receives. It's a channel. And when she is living and faithful, then the church, get noti the church gets noticed. 
It has a task with respect to the churches who are around her. And 1 Thessalonians 1 really highlights the connection between different churches. We are reminded right away again that no single church is an island. It cannot exist just on itself and inward focused and just looking at, it, at itself and caring for itself. We are connected to churches who are in different geographical regions. We are connected to churches who, who existed before us in the past because we're called to imitate them. And we're connected to churches in the future that we're going to plant because we're called to be examples for them. Every Christian and every church grows when they imitate those who have gone before them. And then it serves as an example for the other churches around them and after them. We see that happening today. Uh, we, uh, once again, just thinking of the missionary presentation last night where we, we see one church so richly blessed and it's overflowing to other places in the world as, as an example for other churches. The church planters who wrote this letter that we're reading this morning, the, 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 the Word of God in First Thessalonians, they recognized that the Thessalonians had imitated. You can see that they had imitated. Verse 6, you became imitators as, of us and of the Lord. So they recognized that the church had become imitators of the Lord. That's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the authors of the letter. And then if you look in chapter 2, verse 14, it also says it became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. These, the Lord and the authors of the letter and the other churches, they became examples of people who were convinced of the truth of God. They were not afraid to suffer for their faith. In 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, in the next letter, chapter 2, verse 15, we learn that the Thessalonians, they followed the traditions that they were taught by the church planters. Those traditions are probably a comparison, a parallel to the confessions that we have today. It's a body of teaching that was passed from one generation to the next generation. And so, the church was imitating those who came before them, repeating what they had done and then being an example to those around them in other places in the world and also the church in the future who, who was to be, that was to be planted yet. So he reminded that the church of Christ is not into inventing new things and, and keeping up with the newest fashion, but it is into being aware of what has happened in ages past so that she may carefully apply the principles of faith in different situations today. The Thessalonians imitated the doctrine and life of their teachers and then became examples for other churches to announce God's love. And so we see how important it is to, to know the, the history of the church, to, to know the, the, the stories, the lessons, the spiritual experiences of our ancestors and so we read we read biographies and there's a, a famous book of martyrs the fox's book of martyrs and and we read that we read the church fathers and and we learn what 
the church has seen before us. We, we praise God for the, what they have seen, what they have stood up in the midst of, and we also grow as God's people. We give thanks to God that the Thessalonian church, at one time a, a missionary church plant, that they so faithfully adopted the doctrine and way of life of their teachers that they became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Seeing what kind of men Paul and Silvanus and Timothy proved to be among them for their sakes, we read that the Thessalonians, they fearlessly embraced the word even when they had to suffer at the hands of their own countrymen. We hear that and we're encouraged, we're motivated. We say, I, that's, that's what it's about. That's conviction. Their perspective in the faith, it's a motive for our thanksgiving prayer. And today also we thank the Lord for every person who has suffered for their faith. We see how they affect our way of seeing the world. We thank the, the Lord for our brothers and sisters today who live in Muslim countries whose heads, whose hands and heads are chopped off because of their faith in Jesus Christ. We praise the Lord, we thank the Lord because there are Christians who come to worship and they, they see that their church was burnt down because of their faith, whose wives and daughters are taken as inhumane objects of wicked men's lusts. We thank God for them who receive the word, who accept the word in full conviction, even in affliction. We thank the Lord not only for their sakes because now they can be sure of their election and salvation but also for the sakes but also we thank the Lord for our sakes because their lives and their deaths they serve as an example for us. How can we forget a, the famous the 12 year old girls who would step up into the fire to be burnt for their faith without any fear. When we hear that we we're led to thank God for the conviction that we have in the truth of his word. And so we look with love and we look with interest to what God is doing, not only here in our city or in our congregation, but, but in all places in the world. And we see that the church can serve as an example for us. And when the church thrives in such, a, such situations, it's an even it's an even more amazing and more wonderful example for us. The Holy Spirit says that the word of the Lord sounded forth out of Thessalonica and into the surrounding area, the Macedonia and Achaia. It was just around, it was like the, the peninsula around where the city was. The words sound forth or, or ring out, they, they point to a loud public announcement, not, not a little whisper. The, it's showing us that the Thessalonians who suffered for the faith, who left the idols, they weren't walking around with their heads down all ashamed about the change, but they were sharing the good news of God's grace to them all around. It was ringing, ringing out, and it was a, a trade city, so we can imagine that the businessmen, as they were 
leaving the city to sell their wares into the interior uh, areas. They were speaking of the work of God in their lives. And so people around said, look at that church. They're, they're sounding forth the gospel. It's, it's ringing out from them. People were talking about all these things. People were talking in the churches at that time. They were gathering together in prayer, thanking God for this work of faith. Verse 3 says that, right? Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians serve as examples who announce the gospel. Not only when they stand fast in the face of persecution, that's one thing we saw, and not only when they go out and tell others about the gospel, but also when they show they are Christians by the things they do. When the Christians go beyond mere survival, just finding a life partner, working and going to church, but when they do all these things, living with a Christian passion, then that serves as an example. It announces God's love. Don't you love seeing other Christians embrace their faith, succeed in announcing the love of Christ to those around them? When you travel a little bit and you go into a, a church building and you're warmly received and, and everybody wants to, to talk to you, you, you say, wow, that's, that's amazing. And when I would travel around, I would sometimes as a missionary, we would travel around and you'd go to a town and people would drive great distances just to pick you up from an airport and drop you off. And you say, that's That's amazing. That's receiving the messengers in, in love. And when we read that, the, that at the beginning, when you see that these, this church had work of faith and labor of love, and maybe you were thinking, oh, what kind of things were they doing? How were they showing this love for God? How were they working and laboring in love? You, might, you may have been wondering, and as you got down, you can see in verse 9 what it meant. Verse 9 says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. The work of faith, the labor of love. And Paul says, you know what that is? They welcomed us. They were a welcoming congregation. You can see where the Holy Spirit is going with this. Christians stand out when they honor and respect others. When they do simple, practical things, like give rides, give a place to stay, offer a meal, be generous, warm people. Like the Thessalonians, they support needy churches with financial help, even when they themselves are facing difficulty. You can read, Paul talks a little bit about that in Corinthians. Paul knew that they received the word of God in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with conviction because they reacted to the word. They showed their faith in their love. In Galatians 5, verse 6, Paul summarized it. He says, the only, things that, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Those are powerful words. We can spend time thinking about that as well. And even ask ourselves as we think about this, has the Thessalonian church served as an example for you? When you imitate them, you serve as an example to your children, to the churches around you, and even to churches in other places in the world. And all this is evidence of the hope 
that is within you. When we anticipate the return of Christ, when we receive the word of God as the truth, and when we receive it in power, and full conviction, the, the Holy Spirit is within us. We, we feel the joy of his word. It changes who we are. It changes how we, we see things. Then we will also believe every promise that God has given concerning the future. The Christian church that is active in faith and love also perseveres in hope. That's the third thing Paul mentions in verse 3. And then it's the last thing he mentions in this introductory paragraph of his letter. The church that is waiting for the Son of God from heaven is a church that knows Jesus Christ and knows the fullness of the gospel. It's almost a, a test. Are you waiting? Are you anticipating the return of Jesus Christ? You can learn a lot from someone you can learn a lot about their faith when we question them about their expectations for the future. 1 Thessalonians 1 ends by presenting the work of Jesus Christ as the, as the motivation for everything that God's people do and think. You see that at the very end, for they themselves, so then all the, the churches are talking about the Thessalonians. They report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Do you see how much theology, how much explanation of what God does is in that little half verse, or full verse, half sentence? So turning from idols means leaving behind anything that, other than God in which to put your trust. It refers to wanting to obey the first and the tenth commandments and with them then all the rest as our Lord Jesus summarized them in Matthew 22 verses 37 to 39. And if you want to know the words of Matthew 22 verses 37 to 39, then you need to ask one of the catechism students in the junior class because they memorized those verses. We thank God when we see people recognize their sinfulness and seek their salvation in God who sent his only son into the world. When people begin to wait for God's son from heaven, that means that they believe that the son of God is able to help them. When you anticipate the return of God's Son on the clouds, that means that you believe that He is your Savior. It means that you believe that He has conquered Satan and death. It means that you believe that He has been punished for your sins, for you and in your place. It means that you're ready to stand before the, the sovereign and almighty God about whom we sang in Psalm 147 without fear and without worry. You know that there is wrath in the future for those who reject God, but you also know that there is life in Jesus Christ. We can escape the wrath in Christ Jesus. Do you see, brothers and sisters, what kind of people actually 
anticipate, they actually wait for God's Son to return from heaven? It's an amazing thing to think of, that you have such a faith in something you can't see, something in the future, dependent on the name. And Paul doesn't put Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus, he just puts Jesus, dependent on Jesus, emphasizing the one who took on human flesh. He, he walked here on earth who died on a cross. We thank God that there are people who wait for the return of Jesus Christ. It says a lot about them. On this Thanksgiving weekend, may we all learn from the way that God's church planters found delight in the eternal well-being of others. It really strikes us when you read this chapter, when you see what's the motive for their thanksgiving. It wasn't what kind of clothes I have, what kind of house I have, how much food I have, how many friends I have. They're thinking about others. The focus of the church planters is in the eternal well-being of others. What a way to live. May we learn also then that the, the presence and the growth of the church is more important than our own temporary comforts. It's also most worthy of thanks. We pray for everything that we need to glorify God, and we thank Him when we receive even more than we need to glorify Him. It's, it's, it's important, it's good to thank the Lord for the many physical blessings that we have. But our vision, our perspective is bigger than that. It goes beyond that. Once we thank him for having everything we need to glorify him, then we thank God most of all for gathering for himself a church chosen for everlasting life. With Paul, we rejoice at the faith of our brothers and sisters. We rejoice that God has planted his church and he has given his word to that church and there are people who accept it and believe it. In spite of everything, in spite of all the negative things that we see and we can point out, there is still, after all this persecution, after all this suffering, after all this liberalism, there is still a universal assembly that is transformed by the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ who is waiting for him to return. There are people who spend their lives leaving idolatry and looking to Jesus Christ, eager for his return. We thank God for the church planting work of missionaries. We praise God for our sister churches here in our country and other places in the world. We praise God for everything that we see right here around us, right here today in this building every one of you who loves the Lord, who's dedicated their lives to the Lord in our city and for all that, the work that we can do. Because although someone may think it looks like a nice club the first time they come in, they may walk in and go, what a happy place to be. And you got babysitting too. It's so comfortable, so nice. I'd like to be a part of this. We know brothers loved by God We've been chosen by God's sovereign grace and his electing pleasure. And he made us want to accept 
that word. And we will hold on to that word through any affliction. And that's possible only because of God's grace. May he receive our thanks forever. Amen.